Doesn't it feel good to win? I think it was like 47 to 4, something glorious and godly, something, something right. How many of you are an LSU fan now? If you're an LSU fan, awesome, awesome. Get your neighbor and say, you need to wake up. I, uh, I totally agree with what Hannah was saying, uh, so good in that we need to be able to vote and we need to vote our convictions. Um, you know, it's, it's important to know that, you know, whoever's getting elected, it's really uh, setting up our Supreme Court that will really determine our nation for a whole nother generation. And so it's so important that we do that and we vote our convictions and we vote according to what we want our kids to experience when they are growing up. How many of you are glad that you're in a free nation? You're in a nation under God, right? Let's keep it that way, right? And so I'm, I'm excited about today. I'm going to continue talking about the covenant blessing, the covenant blessing. And we're going to start um, in Isaiah 54, really understanding the covenant really determines the level of blessings that come into your life. How many of you want a high level of blessings in your life? Understanding this covenant determines the level of blessings that enter your life. And so when we look at Isaiah 54.10, it says this, For the mountains may move and the hills disappear, but even then, say even then, my faithful love for you will remain my covenant of blessing will never be broken, says the Lord who has mercy on you. Don't you love that? That the covenant that God made, it happened at the cross. Jesus signed the covenant of God by his own blood. And the Bible says that no matter what happens, that covenant will never be broken. No matter what happens. Look at your neighbor and say, no matter what happens. That covenant will never be broken. When Jesus shed his blood and he said, it is finished, when he did that, we have the right to enter the covenant no matter what you did in the past, no matter what's going on right now in your life. You have the right to enter that covenant and receive forgiveness of sins, cleansing your sins, that your sins are justified. How many of you know that justified means that just as you haven't even sinned. That's good news. It takes faith in the covenant that Jesus made for us at the cross. And we are promised that we're able to be one with God, that we're a joint heir with Jesus. Isn't that amazing? The Bible says because of his blood, because of the covenant, we are joint heirs with Jesus. So in other words, how many of you have brothers and sisters? You have brothers and sisters? You know, with brothers and sisters, when their parents pass, there is an inheritance that comes in the, into their life. Now, Jesus gets an inheritance for shedding his blood on the cross. We get the same inheritance as Jesus because we're a joint heir with him. Is that awesome? I mean, I'm excited about that. We don't have to work for freedom. We work from freedom at the cross when we believe what Jesus did at the cross, we're able to come into faith and have victory and live in liberty. Why? Because of the covenant that he made. Now you might step out and not believe the covenant, but the Bible says that Jesus' covenant for your life remains forever, no matter what happens. 
And so when we look at that covenant in Galatians 3, 13, it says that covenant, this is what it has to do with. Jesus redeemed us from the curse of the law, that he became a curse for us. He was eliminating the old covenant, that he might be a curse for us, that we might receive the blessing of Abraham. Say blessing. And that's through the Holy Spirit. How many of you know it's important if Jesus signed a covenant for us for the blessing of Abraham, it is important to know what is the blessing of Abraham. It is important to know what that blessing is. In Genesis 12, 1, it says, it, God speaks to Abraham. He says, Abraham, you got to get out your country. you got to get out away from your family, and you have to go to a land that I'm going to show you. Right? He says, I'm going to make you a great nation. That's the first thing, that God has a covenant with us. When we enter that covenant, God makes us great. How many of you want to be ordinary? You just want to be ordinary, normal? Nobody wants to be ordinary or normal. God supernaturally puts you together, and he wants you to be extraordinary. Am I right about it? God wants you to be extraordinary, and so he said, a part of this covenant, I'm going to make your name great. And the Bible says, I'm going to bless you. God said, I'm going to bless you. So we are promised to have favor on our life and have the blessing on our life. That's part of the covenant. Now, you have to choose whether you're going to believe it or not. How many of you want to believe it and receive it? And then the Bible says, I'm going to, um, I'm going to bless everybody that blesses you, and I'm going to curse anybody that curses you. Look at your neighbor and say, people shouldn't mess with me. I'm, a, I'm God's kid. I, because it's the truth. He promises, he promises protection. He says, whoever blesses you, they're going to be blessed. Whoever curses you is going to be cursed. And then what does he say? He says that you're going to be a blessing to all the families of the earth. You're going to have a great inheritance to give. How many of you believe that? And today, what I want to challenge us in is to come in faith with that covenant. You know, just like in a, a real estate deal, there are, uh, when you get into a contract, there are two parties involved. We have a, we have a part to play. Look at your neighbor and say, you have a part to play. Now, you know, just like a real estate deal, they have to check your income. You have to be willing to give your income. You have to be willing to give your credit. You have to be willing to put a down payment down. You have to be willing to sign and pay a mortgage for the rest of your life, right? That's usually what happens. And, and in that covenant, there are two parties that are involved. And with the covenant of God, you have a part to play. You have a part to play. It is wrong theology. It's wrong thinking. It is a wrong idea to think, well, God is just sovereign, so whatever, whatever he's going to do, he's going to do in my life. No, that's not how God is. He's not a dictator of your life. He says, I'm going to allow you to enter into a joint covenant, and I'm going to cause you to play a part of this covenant. Now, just like Abraham had to play a part, what was his part? Number one. He had to get away from his country. This, is the, this speaks to us about getting away from our circumstances and believing God's word. How many of you want to believe God's word over your circumstances? The second thing, it says you have to get away from your family. What does that speak to us about us? It speaks to us that we have to get out of the old and into the new. We have to get out of the old 
and into the new, the new nature that God's given you, the new name that God's given you. Now, there's a third thing that I want to talk about today because he said, I want you to get away from your country, get away from your family and go. And the third thing has to do with commitment. The third thing has to do with commitment. But this is the truth. Commitment is difficult when you don't have a dream. Commitment is difficult when you don't have vision. It's difficult. Abraham had a difficult time. He said, God told Abraham, listen, I want you to leave everything. And I want to leave, want you to leave everybody in your family, and I want you to go. The problem is that Abraham committed, but he kept Lot with him. That was his nephew. So the word that God said, he said, listen, I want you to separate yourself from the, your family. He decided not to do that, to commit and bring Lot along with him. Well, this caused big trouble. How many of you know it causes trouble when you want to commit, but you don't want to get rid of the old life? You want to believe in your circumstances instead of God's word, right? And Abraham, although he had faith, all, although Abraham had great faith, he kept Lot along because he wanted to be comfortable. He didn't want to break out of the old and come into the new. And because of that, we see that because he kept Lot around, he had to go through seasons and God had to teach him until he separated himself from Lot, God never gave him a clear vision. But once he separated himself and said, I'm coming into the new, then God said, now I want you to begin to walk the land and I want you to begin to visualize the dream that I'm putting in your heart as my dream. And so in Genesis 13, we see how the dream of, Lot, of God started to come alive in Abraham. See, because if you think that you are going to be committed without a dream, you're, fill, you're fooling yourself. And it's like saying, I'm going to go cross country with a half a tank of gas. You're not going to do it. In order to be fully faithful, you have to have a dream of what God has put in your heart. A lot of times we want to commit to God, but we never receive God's dream. And it wasn't until Abraham said, I'm going to separate myself from Lot. I'm going to separate myself. God began to speak to him. What did he say? He said, I want you to get out of your tent because Abraham was getting frustrated. You ever felt frustrated in your walk with God? You ever felt frustrated? Like, God, okay, I'm believing you. I'm committed to you, but I'm needing to see. I, I'm, not, I'm not seeing this. I'm not feeling it. This is what Abraham was going through. And it wasn't until he separated himself that God began to speak to him and begin to say, okay, now I'm going to begin to show you the dream. I want you to visualize with me. See, because at that point, Abraham, he committed, he believed God's word, but he was holding on to some things in the past, and God couldn't really unfold the dream that he had for Abraham's life until he did that. How many of you want to receive that dream? See, Abraham even told God, he said, God, what am I doing all this for? He said, God, why am I doing this? And then God told him, now, okay, Abraham, now I'm going to show you the dream for your life. And so I think, it's a very, I think it's very important that we come into a place where we step into God's dream for our lives. How many of you want to step into God's dream? I want to I talk to you about this today. The title of my message is Dream on Purpose. Dream on Purpose. On purpose. How many of you know that God doesn't want us to have a selfish dream? He wants us to dream on purpose. God wants us to dream 
with the lens of God's purpose, and that's how we're going to come into grace and be able to be faithful. You know, the Bible says, without vision, the people perish. And let me ask you this simple, simple, uh, let me ask you this simple question. Are you dreaming God's dream for your life? Are you dreaming God's dream for your life? Is your dream God's dream? Because if your dream is God's dream, then it's a dream of purpose, right? It's a dream where you begin to live on purpose and you begin to live for something bigger than yourself. How many of you want to live God's dream? Let's pray. God, we come to you in the name of Jesus. We just thank you for your word. We thank you for who you are. We thank you, God, that you're going to allow us to step in to the dream that you have for our life, God. Lord, show us that dream. Teach us how to dream and begin to work in our lives so that we can begin to run with grace, Lord. That we can begin to follow after you with a passion, Lord, because we know the dream that you have for us in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody says, amen. You know, something that I really love about my job is that I'm able to get to know people and know their passions and their desires and the things that they really want to do for God. And, and, uh, and, and it's fun because when you have a relationship that's centered around God, these dreams and these desires begin to form up. Uh, Mariah, actually, you all know Mariah Adams? Just give her a hand. I think she's serving in the back. <clears throat> Mariah actually visited Leah and I last week at the office, and we were just sitting down and talking and saying, how's life, what's going on, how are you? And if you don't know Mariah's story, it's a pretty unbelievable story because uh, she was in a situation where she, um, she was actually an orphan, and Pastor Paul and, and Pastor Jen uh, took her in in their home and became their parent, her parents and took care of her. How many of you know that that's God's heart? That's God's heart to be able to take people in. And, and really her life has been a miracle. And, uh, you know, she's in school now and she has these different things. And, and so I really wanted to talk to her because she's doing so much. I'm wondering where are we going? And, uh, and you know, when, when you're in college, you're, 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 you're looking at all kinds of things in your life. And, and what I think is beautiful as, a, as pastors, it's really fun to, to get with God and see how this desires that God's given you and, and the things that you're doing, how it forms up to become God's purpose and plan for your life. And so I started asking her how things are going, and uh, she said they're good. We started asking how, how you know, what is, your, what is your passion? What is your passion? And she said, you know, my passion, honestly, is to be able to reach out to orphans and to be able to help orphans. How many of you know a lot of times what God's done for you usually comes, becomes your passion for other people? And she said, you know, I really want to do that. I don't know how to do it. I said, well, what are you doing in school? She said, I'm in art. And I was like, what does that have to do with orphans? She was like, well, I don't know. I just, I have a passion. I have a passion and a desire about art. And I'm like, okay, well, well that's cool. And I said, so are you going to use that? She was like, I'm not really sure. And I know God's given her glimpses of dreams before. And I said, you know, what, what do you really, what? fires you up, what do you really like to do? She was like, well, to be honest with you, uh, um, I, I said, what is something that you're really dreaming about? She was like, I would like to have a mansion one day. I was like, I know, so, so would I. So I think we all like that. 
And uh, I love that dream. She was like, I want a mansion. And I was like, awesome. And uh, she said, you know, I, I uh, went to a convention and it had to do with orphans and stuff. And, and, uh, and, and, and she, this lady that inspires me, goes across the country and, and does this missions work. And, and you could tell this is a process of what God is doing in her life. Because at this point, there is, uh, we're, we're, God is forming up the dream, right? God is forming up the dream. There are desires, there are dreams. But what God is doing in her life is causing these desires to get formed up into a dream that you can sink your teeth into. Isn't that the process that God does? You know, I think it's, um, I think it's astounding when you talk to people and they're even Christians and they have no dream or desire for their future. They just want to live throughout the day and be happy about the day. But how many of you know that God has more than that for us? Now, this is what God does because this is who God is. God is a God that loves different things. He has a different personality. He has desires. And, and you see that he put all these desires together and made you and I in the world. Isn't that awesome? That all of God's desires, all of his attributes, all of his character was able to be demonstrated and formed up when he created the world and he created you and I. And that's really how he does it with us. He says, what do you desire? What do you like? What is your passion? And a lot of times our passions and desires, because, because they can seem so broad and so big, we think, oh, well, that's just, you know, that's just kind of whatever. But God didn't design you and put passions in your heart for nothing. God designed you for a certain way, for a certain purpose. And so we started talking, and Mariah started coming up with her own conclusions. You know, and, and she started saying, you know, she said, I said, so your focus is you want to, uh, you want to uh, reach out to orphans. She was like, yeah. I said, well, what, what kind of place would that look like? She said, well, you know, there's a house in town that's really big. I would love to put them in there. I'm like, awesome. That's awesome. I said, well, what kind of orphanage would it be? He, she said, I said, you know, it would be awesome. And I know she's thought about this before. I said, but it would be awesome to use with what you're going to school for right now and begin to teach them art and begin to show them things. And, you know, she's into lighting and art and all that. And I said, man, you could have, you know, this, we can get a grant. I said, you know what? You know what? You can actually go overseas on missions work and find orphans and bring them back over here. And these things started coming together and started forming up and you started to see these desires and dreams and all of a sudden you have a direction and something to sink your teeth into. And how awesome would it be? And I, I, I hope she's not mad at me that I'm telling her dreams and desires. Oh, she's, she's in nursery. Good. <laughs> She'll never know. <laughs> <laughs> See, it, it, this is how God forms us. How awesome would it be to have an orphanage with a beautiful house, people bringing kids from overseas where there's art and things that people can get involved in and people, like, get taken care of. She's able to do what was done for her. How beautiful of a story. You might say, well, that's far-fetched. It's not far-fetched with God. You say, that's impossible. It's only impossible if you think it's impossible. But when you come into faith and say, no, there's nothing impossible. Jesus' words, 
There's nothing too impossible for God. And what God wants you to do is begin to search into your heart and find these desires. And find these things that you're passionate about. You're not passionate about things just for any reason. It's because God wants you to commit to his plan and actually become like him. Which the Bible says that we are made in the image of God. So the same way God gathered all his passions, all his desires, all his creativity and made the earth. He said, now you're like me, now you do it. Because you might say, well, I can only do certain things because of my economic status or my background or this and that. And God, what he's telling you is, you create your world. Well, maybe God doesn't have this and that for me. No, God put desires in your heart to bring it into existence. Now, God might have a certain plan and a certain direction and maybe it, it unfolds unlike you really see it. But God wants you to begin to dig deep and say, what do you really want? What do you really want? I love this scripture. If we can read this scripture together, and this is really going to be the springboard of what we're talking about today. It's in Psalms 37, 4. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Now this is a promise. Look at your neighbor, shake them and say, this is a promise. Now listen to this. Listen to this. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he shall bring it to pass. He shall bring it to pass. Now I want you to write this down. The desires that God places in our hearts must be formed into a dream that we can commit to. I'm going to say that again. The desires that God places in our hearts must be formed into a dream that we can become committed to. It is apparent and it is true that when we search the word of God, this is how God works. When we get in his presence, he gives us certain desires. Isn't that awesome? You might have desires now being uh, saved for five years than you did when you first got saved. The more you spend time with God, the more he gives you certain desires. And the Bible says, I want you to be able to work with me so that we can begin to see your future and form up your future. And so I want you to be able to get with me. I'm going to start placing these desires in your heart. And when you begin to express these desires, it's going to form your future. What would happen if every single person in here would say, God, I want to get with you and I want you to form up my future and I'm going to go after it. What kind of things would be done on the earth if just the people in this room said, I'm going to get with God and I'm going to get a vision for my life. It's there. It's all there. You just have to get with God and he has to connect the dots. God has a great future and if you're thinking he's just going to unfold it all to you and it's just going to work out with a pretty little plan, that's not how God works. He says, I want you to get with me and I'm going to begin to show you different aspects of your life and different desires of your life and I'm going to help you form these things in your life and we're going to work together for this dream to come to pass. How many of you want to dream with God? See, a lot of times when we run out of steam, sometimes it's not a sin problem, it's a vision problem. And it's very hard to go full steam ahead when you don't have God's dream and vision for your life. And so today, 
I want to be able to help you and to help each other come into a place where we see what God has for our life. And we're going to do this. I'm going to give you five steps to dream. Because dreaming is like a muscle. It's like a muscle. If you don't work it, it's hard to get into it. How many of you, you didn't go to the gym for a long time, you went to the gym and you couldn't do anything hardly? You didn't work, you haven't been working it. And dreaming is not something you just snap your fingers and say, you know what, I'm just going to jump into dreaming. It is like a muscle and it has to be developed. Lee and I were sitting on the back porch the other day and we were talking about things that, you know, we desired to do and, you know, initially we started saying, well, you know, we can't do that unless we do this and we can't do this unless we do that. And we stopped each other and said, wait a second. No, no, no. We know what it's like to come into faith and dream and God begin to move. That's how we want to live our life. We said, listen, what we need to do is we need to sit down and we need to have a dream book and we need to begin to write things, the things down that we're believing for. You know, she said the first day that she tried to do it, it was very difficult and hard because she didn't really know. But it was like exercising to be able to dream and get your faith out there. God has more for your life than just a stable job, a 401k, and, a, and four kids. He has more than your life for that. He wants you to make an impact on the earth. He wants you to partner with his dream. His purpose that has to do with souls, that has to do with the lost, and begin to use your life in such a great capacity that you're not living from just your own, with your own desires. And those, no, they're going to combine with God and it's going to make an impact on the earth. A lot of people are successful in doing what they want to do, but the, at the end of the day, it all burns up. The Bible says that either you have faith, your life is a life of faith, and at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's either wood, hay, and stubble that all burns up or something that you're actually able to sustain and build and begin to, it lasts because it's a life of faith. How many of you want to live a life of faith? I believe that God is going to begin to speak to us about this life of faith today. In, in these five steps, I want to take the word dream and I want to put it in an acronym so the first one will start with D, the second one with R, and we're going to go down these things, and this is not a message for us to just get hyped up about and say, woo, I believe it, and go and don't do anything. This is a message to go home and soak in the presence of God and let God form up your dream so that you can come and work with enthusiasm and energy and be excited about God. Listen, Christianity without a, a dream is laborious. It is something that is like a drag. Do you want to just have to drag yourself to church every Sunday? I don't want you to come. <laughs> if you have to drag, I got to go to the life group. I got to go to, oh, you know what, I really need the top. No, no, no. That's somebody without a dream. That's somebody without a purpose. But when you begin to see what God has for you, you can't wait to do the things of God. It is the difference of a relationship and religion. It is the difference of going through the motions, I just want to make it through the day, and, and, and it's the difference from that and getting with God and God saying, this is where I planted you, this is what I'm going to do in your life. I want you to stretch out your faith and you begin to see God move and unfold his mysteries he has for your life and you go from faith to faith to glory to glory. How do you go to another level with God? You start to dream with God. 
you start to step out in faith and see God move. And it doesn't matter what the circumstances were, people say, you know that God is with you because you have a vision for your life. What are you dreaming about? I would say the majority of us are dreaming too small. I would say the majority of, of us want something simple when God wants something extraordinary for our lives. Come on. When you begin to step into faith, it's when things start to come into place. What does the Bible say? He says, when you put first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all of these things come. You're waiting on a husband or a wife. God's waiting for you to dream. You're waiting on, on, a, uh, you're waiting on some kind of breakthrough in your finances. And God's saying, dream with me. Because your vision will create provision. Come on. Your vision is going to create provision. What you see is impossible. God is saying, that's why you need me. That's why we're hooked up together. That's why we're going together. And maybe you're losing steam right now, like Abraham. You're saying like Abraham, God, I am I doing all this? And God's saying, all right, all right, Abraham, now that you got rid of the past, I want you to start to dream with me. Amen? How many of you are excited about God's dream? I want to talk about the first one. It starts, um, it starts with a D. The first one is determine who you're going to reach. Determine who you're going to reach. See, if you want to start dreaming with God, his heartbeat, it's all about souls. See, we want to skip over to the, you know, what kind of life, what kind of, you know, things and what kind. But God is saying, hey, who do you want to reach? You say, well, I want to reach everybody. That doesn't make any sense. Well, Jesus lives in our heart. And Jesus reached a certain group of people. He ministered to everybody, but he had a target group. Jesus had a target group, right? He said, I'm going to find these guys on the shore, and I'm going to begin to reach out to these guys. They're going to be this age, and I'm going to reach out to them. Who are, you, who are you reaching out to? Who are you reaching out to? See, Jesus said, I'm going to make you fishers of men. See, on a, fishing, on a fishing line, you just don't throw any kind of bait out there. you gotta, you, gotta, you got to know what you're fishing for. Am I right about it? you got to have the right pole. you got to have the right bait. you got to have the right thing because you got to know what you're fishing for. You don't see any fishermen going out to the water and say, what you fishing for? I don't know, just any fish. No, you, you're not going to put a saltwater uh, lure in, 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 in fresh water, right? And so the same, who are you going after? What kind of heart, what, who's, who are you going after in your life? Are you going after, um, who do you have a passion for? What is your passion? And that's the first thing that we need to get. You know, I want to go after people that, like Mariah said, I want to reach out to people that really it was the way that I got changed. You know, if you say, you know what, well, I really want to reach out after couples, but you're sitting home by yourself every night with your spouse, you're not going to find any couples. That's not going fishing. That's sitting on the couch. I really am. I'm, I'm going after. See, it, it's, a, it's a term that, that hunters use, fishers use. It's called a honey hole. Right? And if you want to go and reach out to people, you got to find where the people are. Jesus wasn't so spiritual that he stayed at home. Well, I have a heart for people. Yeah, well, are you around them? Some of us, we have, we have, we have fished in the same honey hole for so long that there's no, minute, no more fish left. 
And God said, you got to go somewhere else. Who do you have a heart for? Jesus had a heart for people. And it's in his presence that we have, we begin to get a heart for people. So the first thing is, you got to be determined who you're going to reach. You got to get involved. The second thing is this. Remember promises spoken over your life. Paul encouraged his protege, Timothy, and he said, Timothy, I want you to remember all the words that were spoken over your life through prophetic words and different things, and I want you to think on these things. And I want you to cause these things to stir yourself up. You know, it's amazing. We had a pastor, Caesar, that has one of the largest churches in the world come and visit us, and, you know, you're thinking that he's going to give you, like, some new, new revelation that he has uh, gotten. He, obviously, he does some of that. But when we begin to ask him, how did God use you in such an extraordinary way, he pulled out a sheet of paper or pulled out something that he got 30 years ago from somebody speaking into his life. But see, in American church, we get a word or somebody speaks something over our life, and we're like, oh, that's good. What's the next thing? That's good. Uh, well, well, give me another word. God's saying, no, I gave you a word. Do you stir yourself up with that word? Do you think about that word? Do you believe that word? And, and Paul is telling his spiritual son, Timothy, he says, listen, don't have a spirit of fear because Timothy was getting intimidated. And he's saying, hey, you got to begin to stir up the dream of God in your life. And maybe you're new to God and you don't have these kind of words. Start with the actual word of God. Start thinking on that. God's going to begin to unfold his dreams in your life. The third thing, <coughs> E, envision using your passions for your pur- purpose. Let me ask you, what are you passionate about? What are you passionate about? Are you passionate about mothering? There are some people that they are like, they're like the super mom. They, their whole life, their whole life is like they want to homeschool. They want to, you know, they, they have this passion of just mothering. There are some people, they have a passion that they want, they love fishing. What are you passionate about? God put desires and passions in your heart. Some people love to dance, but like, like Hannah said earlier, they would never want to break out and dance in front of anybody. What is the passion that got put in your heart? What is it? Isn't it awesome that when we spend time with God, he begins to place passions in our heart? What's your passion? I have a, a, a relative that, man, he loves to fish. He always loved to fish, and he thought, well, this would be a good living. So what does he do every morning? He, he loves the boat. He loves to fish. So he gets his boat every day and people pay him to show him where the fish is that's a pretty good life right what is your passion what do you like to do somebody says well you know what I'm miserable at my job you've been there five years find another one God wants to begin to use your passions for your purpose come on I'm preaching to somebody today you might be in a rut and say well I just want to get by and you wonder why you're miserable You wonder why you have to take something to go to sleep and something to wake up and something. You wonder why this entanglement of life is getting you down. It's because God wants you to have a passion. God wants you to have a dream. (coughs) What's your dream? What's your dream? And God today, I believe God's going to begin to show you your passions. And you're going to begin to think. 
how can I use this passion for my purpose? How can I use this passion for my purpose? How can I use this passion for my purpose? Not just to make money. How can I use it to reach people? How can I use this passion to help people out? What is your passion? Can you envision using this passion for your purpose? Chris, if you want, man, you can come up and we're going to start to to play. I want you to, to let's look at this scripture. Romans 12, 6 6 through 8. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak. Speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is encouraging others, be be encouraging. If your gift is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take that responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. See, God wants us to begin to develop our gifts. God wants them developed in your life. See, a lot of times, people will give it, God will give us a passion, but because we don't develop that passion, it never really becomes a gift. There are very few uh, prodigies in this life where somebody is just naturally good at everything. And you are just like, man, you are just, you, no, God starts with a passion most of the time. And you have to develop that passion into a gift. What is your passion? Are you working on that passion? Are you just letting it go? Are you using it to win the loss, to be a part of the kingdom of God? You got to work at it. Look at your neighbor and say, you got to work at it. God wants you to work at that passion. Listen, some of you, you, you know, you would, um, if somebody asked you to speak in front of somebody and you just like, you hate every second of it, well, maybe God doesn't want you to be on stage. You know what I mean? But, but if there's something that you like about that and you begin to study that and you begin to get people to help you with that, then start to develop it. Listen, I have no desire to stand up here and sing in front of you because I'm horrible at it. (laughs) I'm horrible at it for one and for two. I just have no desire. But I look at Pastor Bray, his life, and man, he's made CDs, he's traveled the world. Why? Because he took what he was passionate about and he used it for reaching the lost. Isn't it funny that that when he began to try to get in the band and things like that, his teacher told him that he was horrible at it. Now you hear him play today and you're like, where the heck did you learn that? It didn't come out of thin air. He had a passion and he developed it. He had a passion to preach. He said the first time he ever spoke, he started to stutter. He couldn't do it. But he had a passion for it, so he developed that passion. It became a gift. It's not going to just happen. Are you developing the passion that God has put in your life? If it's not going to be developed, it's not going to be a gift. It's just going to lie dormant. Are y'all okay? The next thing is this. Acknowledge the desires that God placed in your heart. Acknowledge the desires that God placed in your heart. You say, you know what, I just want a big house. 
I want a big house. I want a nice car. I mean, a Bentley would be nice. You know, I just want something grand. Why? Why do you want that? God wants you to acknowledge the desires in your life and begin to say, you know what, I want that house because I want to invite people over and for them to get saved. See, see you can make a covenant with God with something. You want a nice car? You want things? God wants you to have nice things. Make a covenant with God. Say, God, every time somebody compliments my car, I'm going to witness to them. Why do you want the things that you want? Is it merging with the plan of God in your life? Come on, I want a, I want a hunting camp. I want a fishing camp. Why? I want a vacation home. Why? Do you want to get your family away and talk about the things of God and begin to dream with your family? Or do you want it just because you want to escape and you want it for your own? Why do you want the things that you want? If you have a desire for it, God wants to merge it with his purpose, and God's going to begin to show you how to get it. Some of you, you don't care. You don't care what kind of car. You don't care what kind of house. But there are certain things you want. You want a fine woman. You know, I don't care if I, I live in a shack as long as I have a fine woman. Why do you want the wife? Why do you want her? Just, just you know, trust me, when you, when you have that beautiful wife, it is going to be to develop the dream of God in her life. Why do you want what you want? How many of you want to begin to allow God to show you the desires of your heart and use them for the glory of God? What would it be like if we begin to dream and say, this is what I'm believing for, number five. Number five. By the way, on that note, if you're wanting something great, then take care of what you got now. Amen? You want a new car, yeah, but, but you haven't put... You haven't put oil in that car for six months and the engine's about to blow. It's going to happen to the same thing with a, you want a nicer house, but you haven't washed that thing in forever. You know, I remember having a, um, <laughs> Lee and I just got married and we were inviting people over. And uh, I was, uh, I was in, I was still getting ready and people were coming over. I was probably 22, 23. And we bought this house and, and you know, we were excited about it. But I heard somebody coming over. And uh, I overheard them saying, man, they got a lot of weeds in their bed, don't they? And they, this looks pretty bad. Is, is this the youth pastor? And I thought, God, what I've got, I'm not using for you. God gave us stuff to take care of. And if we're a good steward of what we got, God will give us more. I told Leah the next day we're pulling out weeds like crazy. I was calling Pastor Paul like, what do I do with all these weeds? She was like, I noticed, man, they're like up, they're pretty high. I'm like, great, everybody notices but me. God wants you to take care of what you got. And this is the last thing, and we're going to close. Move into action. Set attainable goals. God wants you to go step by step. You're not going to start going to the gym right now and try to bench press, press 350 pounds. You're going to be embarrassed. You're going to have to say, somebody get this bar off of me. Maybe start with 25. Right? So God might give you a big dream, but set attainable goals. God set goals. We got to set goals. He said, in six days I'm going to make the earth, and then on the seventh day I'm going to rest. Right? God wants us to set goals. The next thing, get guidance and counsel. 
Tell people your dreams. Get them to stay, keep you accountable. Set a time to work on advancing. Well, I'm going to set some goals and God's going to do it. Praise the Lord. Amen. No, it's never going to happen. You're going to say, well, you know what? God's going to speak to me in the very moment in time. He said, nope. Set a time. Set a place. Develop your gift. Take one step at a time. And each step, I'm going to begin to increase your faith. And God wants us to start moving. Start moving. God wants to form it up and take one step at a time. What is the step that God's wanting you to take? It's not going to happen. If you're waiting for something to change, it's not going to happen. Well, you know, I haven't done it because of this. No, you're just wishing. Look at Proverbs 14.23. Proverbs 14.23. Work brings profit, but mere talk leads to poverty. Let's not be a church that's just a talker. I'm dreaming, you know, I'm dreaming for tons of life groups, but you don't have one yet. And you haven't set one yet. Let's not be a talking church. Let's be a church that believes and shows our faith by doing, by setting things up. Sometimes God wants us to start small. 